Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Yeah, my name's Trevor Bond. Uh, Bond comes with the family, but uh, my parents wanted to call me James, but they thought, let's call him something more dynamic, so call me Trevor. <laughs> and I'm part of the oversight team, and that's the, uh, the team that oversees... Yeah. So if there's anything that's wrong, it's an oversight on our part, so I'm sorry for that. Um, Last week, Sim was introducing to us uh, Joseph, the uh, teenager who was the grand, great-grandson of Abraham. And uh, the story's in Genesis, and uh, he introduced us to the way in which Joseph had a, an uncanny ability to uh, wind up his brothers. And uh, we've seen that before in families. And uh, he had dreams and the dreams didn't help him in getting on with his brothers either. But they also told, though, they did tell of what was to come. And uh, he was carried off to Egypt because the brothers sold him to a hairy band of Ishmaelites. And uh, off, they went to, um, off he went to Egypt. Now, we pick up the story in chapter 39 of Genesis Uh, If you start at um, Malachi and work backwards, you'll come to Genesis eventually. Uh, Genesis chapter 39 and the first 20 verses. Let's read through the whole story. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favour in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care, with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My grass master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept this cloak beside her until his master came home. 
Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought uh, us came uh, to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him, put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Now picture this situation. Joseph had been brought up in a family where he was very well treated. He had responsibility. He had a sense of uh, wealth and, and everything was working very well for him. It's debatable whether he had a Technicolor dream coat, but he certainly had a lot of privileges. And now here he was being sold into Egypt where he became a slave. He had no rights. He was in a foreign land and he was working for a master that he had never met before. But the point is that he was there because God had put him there. He didn't say, oh, I deserve better than this. This is not fair. I shouldn't be here. Instead, he exercised faith. He allowed God to use him and to work through him. He didn't allow the sense of personal injustice to rule what happened to him. Now, Joseph's exemplary approach to this imposed situation allows room for him to be promoted in the household until he took on a significant role of responsibility. But also, at the same time, he was learning. What does it feel like to be a slave? He could tell firsthand. The language and the customs. The best way to learn that is to get immersed in the society, isn't it? And that's what was happening. He was learning how to plan and control and run a household. Skills that he would need later on. He was there for a purpose. God had got him there. And he trusted God. So what's your situation like? Do you find yourself working for a boss that is very demanding? Do you react against that difficult situation? Perhaps your boss is unsympathetic, doesn't really understand your feelings, and doesn't really care about them. I don't know what your situation is, but have you asked God, what am I doing here? Lord, please show me. What are you teaching me? Because one of our principles as Freedom Church is to grow. And often in those difficult situations, that's the time when we can grow. Or maybe you're not employed, but uh, God is taking you through a time of personal challenge. I know for me that recently God has been talking to me about um, those times when I feel undervalued. And how do I respond to those times? So it may be all sorts of things that God is taking us through that he wants to cause us to grow. In the New Testament part of the Bible, 
the Apostle Paul writes this very practical advice to new Christians in Ephesus. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favour when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. God has a wonderful way of training us. And it's not a course that is six weeks, end of the course, certificate, all good. It's a case of he teaches us until we learn. It's interesting in the schools in Uganda, isn't it, the way that you get some quite old pupils who've not passed that grade, and so they're in with the younger children. And it's similar with us that God carries on teaching us until we catch what he is saying. In the end, he is working towards the aim of us being Christ-like. And that's what we need to aim for. You know, Christ is our ultimate example in this, of course. In a letter from a church leader in the first century to the Jewish church, we read this. Although Jesus was a son, he learnt obedience from what he suffered... And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. I love what Sim said earlier on as we broke bread. Let's read that one again. Although Jesus was a son, he learnt obedience from what he suffered. Once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. What a wonderful thing Jesus has done for us, given us the opportunity to be his children. If you haven't made that choice to serve the Lord and to follow him, today's your day. We'd be delighted to pray with you and help you in that process. So back to the story of Joseph, and this is where it takes a bit of a EastEnders turn. Um, episode after episode, we see the relationship developing between Joseph and Potiphar's wife. And she's looking for an opportunity, which eventually she finds. And then uh, Joseph runs from that encounter in order to avoid being caught in bedroom action, which the wife is after. So it's interesting as you read through the scriptures how honestly... The Bible deals with all these sort of issues. It doesn't back down from them. So if you haven't read much of the scriptures, read more of uh, the Bible. You'll find it deals with things very honestly and openly. But back to the plot line. This is where Joseph does not submit. We talked about him submitting to his master. But this is where he doesn't submit to anything that comes along. Let's consider the situation. He, Potiphar is a rich and a powerful man in Egypt, and he's got uh, probably the choice of anyone for his wife. And he choos- chooses someone who is going to be powerful and alongside him. So 
it's a bit flattering for Joseph as a slave to be courted, as it were, by her. But he doesn't give in to that, and he resists it. And there's one reason I would suggest that he was able to take that stand, and that was that he had pre-decided, pre-decided what he was going to do in that situation. He already got it clear in his mind that he was going to serve the Lord and not compromise. In his wonderful small book, Picture of Cover, there we are, um, called The Ten Second Rule, Claire de Graff encourages two principles to make following Christ an adventure and straightforward. And the first is, as the title suggests, when you hear God say something to you, respond and do what he says within 10 seconds. No putting it off. Oh, I'll come to that. I'll pray about that. Maybe next week. But actually to respond. And that's the adventure. It's amazing to see what God will do. Do try it. The second principle, though, is that of pre-deciding before we come into situations what we will do. Take, for example, you get a job working with cash for a, a company or for a person or a, a, a club or whatever. You pre-decide, I am never going to touch any of that money for my own benefit. Never borrow it and, of course, never steal it. And decide, that's the way I'm going to do it. Or maybe a, a young couple very much in love and looking forward to the future, but they've pre-decided we're not going to sleep together until we're married and we'll keep ourselves holy and pure for the Lord. Or maybe a dad who finds it difficult to keep his temper with the children when they get out of sorts. And he predecides when that situation comes, I'm going to separate myself from that child, give myself a little bit of time to think about it and make sure I act coolly and responsibly. Or maybe there are things that you shouldn't be buying and you decide on your shopping list, I will get what is on this shopping list and not what is not on this shopping list. And you pre-decide. Whatever your situation is, what is your temptation? Decide. I'm going to follow the Lord. There was a guy called Daniel and there's a book written about him in the Bible that is uh, all about his life. And you'll find that in the Old Testament. And he was uh, taken from Israel into Babylon, a place that was an alien culture. And there he, was, uh, he had to stand up for the things of God in a way that was uh, amazing to read. You have a look and see. But one particular time was when he was, uh, um, he was put in a situation where it would have been easy for him to give in. But he said, no, I'm going to serve the Lord. And he prayed to the Lord three times a day. And as a result of that, he got thrown into the den of lions. We know that God protected him. He came out of the den of lions um, untouched. But he had decided beforehand. It would have been easier for him, perhaps, to say, I'll go along with the culture. And so much we're pushed into that, going along with the culture, aren't we? Um, and uh, in a similar way, he had decided, though, I'm going to serve the Lord and give myself to him. So make holiness 
your life goal. Thirdly, let's look at the issue of dreams. What about dreams? Did you hear about the bloke who had a dream about eating an enormous marshmallow and he woke up and found his pillow was gone? <laughs> there was also a, uh, a bloke who was in this situation. He's a, he dreamt he was standing in front of his congregation and preaching and woke up and found he was. Dreams, dreams are amazing, aren't they? They're, I dream all the time, but uh, sometimes dreams have a specific meaning to them. And God has the sovereign ability to speak into our minds what we need to hear through a dream. One of the things that's characteristic about um, Muslims becoming Christians in the Middle East and such like is that God speaks to them through dreams. God has the ability to speak to us through dreams. In 1996, I was leading a church in Torbay, and uh, I was also leading a, a group that were of leaders from other churches. And we had a vision to have a prayer time on the slopes of the hill, looking out over all of Torbay, and to pray for the bay. People were to come from their churches um, at the same time and all converge together and have a time of worship together and prayer together on this hillside. And uh, the, the picture of what was to, to happen developed at the same time as I had a, a dream. And in that dream, I was uh, leading a group of people, renovating a, an old Devonshire house and putting a new roof on it. And uh, there was, in the middle of that roof, there was a transparent tiles that let the light in. I remember the dream very vividly because it gave me the uh, encouragement and the strength to put into practice that plan of what was called taking the high ground in uh, Torbay. About um, 15 days earlier, there had been a general election in 1997 and uh, the Conservative um, MP had been put out and the uh, Adrian Sanders, the uh, Liberal Democrat MP, had been brought in. He came to the event at our request. We prayed for him and um, uh, encouraged him. And he said to us, please feed back to me your opinion on various issues that are coming up in Parliament. And we started a group to do that, to give him a Christian viewpoint to be able to take into Parliament. How about that for a privilege? And it was all came together because of the clarity of the dream that God has given me. There may be things that are significant dreams or visions that you've had for your life. And you think, when is this going to happen? And you need to have patience sometimes to hold on and to believe that God will do it in his own time and in his own way. For Joseph, the dream was significant, but he had to go through the lessons. He had to go through the adverse circumstances along the way until that time when God 
could do what he wanted to do. In summary, then, we've looked at this. Adverse circumstances can sometimes be God's way of doing a work in us that would be difficult for him to do any other way. God has chosen to use adverse circumstances in order to teach us and to train us and to cause us to grow. Perhaps you're being tempted. Perhaps you have difficulty with certain issues. Pre-decide what you're going to do. I heard the, the story of uh, um, some youngsters that um, were getting into the problems of drugs and together they decided that they were going to hold one another accountable for not saying yes, but actually saying no to drugs and that helped them. Perhaps you need to be accountable to somebody else and say, I'm deciding this, I want to be accountable. Have you got a dream? Do you need patience to wait for that dream to come into being. Allow God to do what he wants to do in his perfect timing. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the story of Joseph and what that teaches us. We want to take these circumstances that you put us in and to respond in a godly way and to live our lives in a way that is declaring the beauty of Jesus and the holiness of Jesus. Lord, help us to pre-decide to go your way, even when it's hard to do so. Father God, for every dream that you've put in our heart, we pray you give us patience and show us your perfect timing for those things to come into being. Thank you, Lord. Amen. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.